So I'm really excited to be amongst you all this morning to be speaking on one of the heroes of faith. Because there's something about faith which I just love. It's hard to explain, but there's something about faith which expands the heart, breathes life into our souls, and sets us on a straight path of blessing. There's something about faith which can't be contained, something you can't put your finger on. There is a mystery in faith, and yet something very tangible. There's a great sense of possibility, of security, through faith in our Heavenly Father. The incredible thing about our biblical heroes of faith is that the same God they worshipped and lived before is the same God that we worship and live before, who builds us up with the same faith that he built them up with. And though the biblical heroes have inspiring stories and demonstrate great characteristics, they're not like fictional movie characters with unrealistic superpowers or abilities. They didn't live in remote and unattainable worlds from our own. They were real people who lived in the real world in the same faith that they had is accessible to us. Abraham is the man I'm speaking about today. He was a great man of faith. Genesis spends 14 chapters on Abraham and Hebrews 11 spends most time on him also. I love reading about Abraham because he was the most incredibly faithful person who believed the Lord's promises and chased after them with all he had. There's so much we could uh, look at and talk about uh, concerning Abraham and his faith today. But because we have limited time, I'll be focusing on his mission or journey. There are two pauses that lead up to Abraham's mission or call that we will look at before moving on to his mission or journey and what missions means for us, finishing with an inspiring story from someone amongst us here today. So the first thing you might notice if you look at Abram's call in Genesis 12 is a correlation with Matthew 28 and the Great Commission. Does anyone want to hazard a guess as to what that might be? What's the connection between Matthew 28 and Genesis 12. Go. <laughs> cool. That's right. Go from your country, from your nation, and from your family. In Genesis 12.1. Go and make disciples of all nations. In Matthew 28. Because you see, the Lord is on a mission. And he has called us to a great mission as well. From the beginning, God had a great mission for us, for humans. He put two people on the earth in a garden and commissioned them to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and implement his loving rule upon it. The Lord didn't start with a finished work, but with a project. There's a progression from the beginning in the Bible to the end, from the garden to, uh, to the city of the New Jerusalem, from two humans to people of all nations standing before the throne of God. The Lord didn't start with a perfectly neat and tidy earth, covered with humans and organized cities, but he did envision it. 
The Lord had always envisioned to have a people in a developed and populated world walking before him in his glory and greatness. This destination was never going to be able to be achieved by one couple or one generation. This task before us was always too big for us to achieve in our own strength because the Lord was calling us to venture out by faith, trusting in his mighty hand. Now this is all important to understand because when we get to chapter 11 of Genesis, where Abraham appears, there's two pauses. The first pause is with the grand story of humanity. And the second pause, as you might guess, is with Abraham. A new disobedience not seen in the creation, uh, history of creation evidences itself in the first half of Genesis 11. This disobedience occurs at what we now know as the story of the Tower of Babel. The people of the earth gather together and whisper behind God's back, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we can make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. And this is our first pause. Instead of fulfilling God's great plan for us in the world of implementing his loving rule and walking before the Lord by faith, the people gathered together. They huddled around a little tower that they were going to build to show the not-watching universe, which cared so much about them, how great they were. They put God's plans of filling and subduing the earth on hold. And that's the first pause. And what does the Lord do next? He sends a holy disruption, confusing the people's language, dispersing them throughout the earth. You know, sometimes we can get a little settled. Sometimes we can get a little comfortable and a little stale. I'm not just talking about being restless, but being complacent, lacking in love and in the vibrancy of the life of the Spirit. Sometimes we need a bit of holy disruption to get us moving in the ways of of the Lord and his purposes. So the second half of Genesis 11 moves towards Abraham. It moves from this major pause throughout all of humanity towards a minor pause in Abraham's life. He's travelling with his father Terah, his nephew Lot, and wife Sarai on a journey from the land of Ur to Canaan. And halfway, they stop. Halfway on their, their journey from the land of Ur to the land of Canaan, Abraham's family stop and settle down. The chapter ends with a suspense-filled pause waiting for what the Lord will do next. You might know what is coming. The Lord tells Abraham, Go from your country, from your people, into your father's household, to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So the Lord pushes Abraham out of his comfort zone 
and calls him into an exciting missionary journey. The Lord promises him a great future, a great name, and a great legacy. So we've just covered the start of Abraham's call. In reading verse 7, you might think it's the end of the story. After hearing the Lord's call, the Bible records, Abram went as the Lord told him. If you were in Abram's shoes, you might have been tempted to think that when you got to where you were going, God's promises would instantly be fulfilled. That you would settle down in some piece of land in a life of luxury, surrounded by your family as a great nation as the Lord had promised, protected by the Lord's zapping power against any enemies that dare cross your boundaries. But it wasn't like that. There were a lot of twists and turns in Abraham, Abraham's journey and his and his descendant of his descendants before they made residence in the promised land. If you look closely, you will see that the Lord didn't reveal everything to Abraham straight away. When he was in Haran, the Lord told Abraham to go to the land that he would show him, not to the land he had shown him. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Because the Lord was leading Abraham into a journey of faith, not a moment. He was leading Abraham to a lifestyle of trust and pursuit in the Lord and his promises. And it was only after Abraham went, having followed the Lord's leading to Canaan, that the Lord reaffirmed his promises and showed Abraham the land that his descendants would possess. You can search chapters 11 through 26 of Genesis to see all the ins and outs of his journey, but let me highlight a few key points. After being promised the land of, land of Canaan, Abraham goes to Egypt and back again due to a famine. Upon returning to Canaan, the Lord reappears to Abraham, affirming his promises, but also telling him that before taking possession of the land, Abraham's people would first live in a foreign country for 400 years. <laughs> 24 years after having left Haran and mooching around the place, the Lord honours his promise to Abraham about having a child and enables Sarah to have Isaac. Abram is 100 years old when Isaac is born. And the Lord's promise of being made into a great nation is first ignited. By the end of his life, Abram still hadn't set up permanent residence in the land God had promised him. The Lord had taken Abram on a journey of faith that wouldn't be completed in his lifetime, in his generation, or even the nation of Israel. Hebrews 11.16 tells us that Abraham was looking forward to a heavenly city. And Amanda will speak more about that next week. Verses 39 to 40 then tell us that in Christ we have a part to play in completing the faith story of Abraham. So how are you going in your journey of faith? And how is the Lord leading you in his missional plans for us in the world? 
As you ponder these questions, I'm going to highlight three aspects of mission for you, whizzing through a couple of key scriptures as we go. The first aspect of mission I want to highlight this morning is our individual journey of faith through life towards our promised eternity with Christ. As soon as we come to Christ and start following the Lord's teachings and the leading of his spirit, we are stepping out into faith, into the Lord's divine mission. It doesn't often feel like it, but the Lord has a role for each of us to play, which we step into when we come to Christ. Ephesians 2.10 tells us, We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance that we should walk in them. At the end of the book of John, chapter 20, Jesus tells his disciples in a summary of everything that he's just done and said amongst them and to them, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. As we follow Christ's teachings and outwork them in the world, we step into his divine purpose for us. And as we bring the gospel of redemption to the lost and to the broken, to those in bondage and to the poor, we continue his mission. The second point I want to highlight relates to the missionary team of the sent church. That's us, in case you're wondering. As soon as we are baptized into Christ, we join the missionary team of the church, carrying out his command to make disciples of all nations, as in Matthew 28. Oops. Every contribution you make and bring to the gathered community of believers, including your presence here today, your unique faith of gift of faith that you bring, the love you show towards others, and your encouragement in the ways of the Lord all make a difference. Our gathering each week week helps create momentum forward uh, in the Lord's plans and purposes, helping send us out with fresh faith and vigour. Over a longer term, our church provides a training ground kind of thing, a gospel culture that we develop, which builds people up and sends us back into the world with a difference. And those who stay here for a while and then move on, like Victoria, soon Joe and Sarah, Harriet and the Gilgrens, who we will all we will be very sad to see go, take something of what they have learned among us about Jesus into the world and to the next destinations. As a body, body we also join together to support and send missionaries on their way to distant places. Joining the dots, Paul asks, how can people hear the message of faith without a preacher? And how can anyone preach unless being sent? The third aspect I would like to highlight is that missions are all about the Lord. We carry our missions in dependence upon his promises, his leading and activity. In contrast to the people of the Tower of Babel saying, let us make a name for ourselves, ten times the Lord uses the words, I will, in his promises to Abram. I will make you into a great nation. I will make you into a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, etc., etc. 
And the same is true for us also. It's firstly the Lord who will carry out his mission or plans and purposes in and through our lives. It was his promise that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit and be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. Because of this, we should take our calling with a degree of earnestness. It's not necessarily the Lord's will for us to go somewhere different or to stay where we are. Jesus called Andrew to follow, to follow Christ, and he called the man he healed of a, of a legion of demons uh, to go home. The important thing for us is that we are seeking the Lord, developing a sense of call and following him through the different seasons of our life. God has a place for us to be, and he's called us to make a difference. Both sending and being sent are important, and they're both costly aspects of mission that the Lord is calling us to. I can't imagine how hard it would have been for the Father to send Jesus out of his heavenly house and watch as his one and only Son was put to death at the hands of sinners. And I can't imagine how hard it would have been for Jesus to leave that place in heaven, enduring whipping and abandonment in his crucifixion. But it was the Lord's joy to save us and give us eternal life and bring us into a heavenly home, into eternal fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So will you be like Abraham, partnering with the Lord in his costly plans and purposes for the world? Are there some places in your life which have become a bit stale or dry, in need of disruption and filling with the Holy Spirit? I know there's always one or two in my life lurking around. And what has the Lord placed upon your life, in your heart and in your hand, that you could use to further his purposes and plans? The Lord has promised a great reward for us, for those who hear his voice and follow his call. So I will ask these questions again, so you can continue pondering them as I hand you over to Chanel. Will you be like Abraham partnering with the Lord in his costly plans and purposes for the world. Are there some places in your life which have become a bit stale or dry and needed a bit of disruption and filling with the Holy Spirit? And what has the Lord placed upon your life, in your heart and in your hand, that you could use to further his plans and purposes with? So would you please welcome Chanel with the same kindness the Lord has shown us and bringing us into his eternal fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I won't give it all away, but I will tell you that Chanel and Herman have a courageous faith story of listening to the Lord and following his leading and promises. Thanks, Chanel. Hi, everyone. Um, So our journey of faith is about a three-hour story that I had to put um, under two minutes, so <laughs> there's a lot of wonders God did for us that I couldn't share today, um, but hopefully I, I would have the chance to share with you all in the future. I'm going to read it. I'm still struggling with the English, so, okay. <laughs> um, January this year, I kept getting prophetic word that God wants to exceed our wildest dreams, and he most certainly did. 
We, came from, we come from South Africa, and we weren't planning to immigrate to New Zealand at all. We just wanted to move more south, near Cape Town. It was one of our biggest dreams to live at the coast. A place a lot like Gisborne, just not as nice. So he did exceed our wildest dreams. In Philippians 4 verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your heart's desires to God. And that's what we did. So one day in March, we gave our heart's desires to God about us wanting to move south. But he quickly shared his own heart's desires with us, that he wants us to move to New Zealand. After that day, it was two months before we landed in New Zealand. It was very quick. <laughs> in the two months, we got confirmations after confirmation about, about us immigrating. Every step of the way, God exceeded our wildest dreams. When we prayed in petition for something, we got things way faster than we prayed for and got so much more than we asked for. God taught us in this two months the power of his word, and the power in our tongues in Jesus' name. Oh, my word, like, it's, it's very cool. <laughs> and how to live out of victory, giving thanks to God for open doors that weren't open yet. And also how extremely present God is, 24-7, so present. The last confirmation we got was the day my husband got his job offer. Also, just quickly, like, um, the job we he, he got in Gisborne, we didn't do Fonsuk um, singles. We, we didn't send an application for the job. It just, we got a call. It was, yeah, a miracle. It's cool. Um, so just let me see. Okay, so the last confirmation we got before my husband got the job offer was from a woman who is a stranger to us, and she told us, God is sending you to a land, and you will make this land your own. It is your land of Mulkanani. And now I am writing down our story of our journey of faith um, in full detail, and we'll share it in the future. So thank you. <laughs>